1: If you are one of the millions of people facing addiction issues, or the loved one of someone who is, we're here to help and to discuss solutions. Hope is in your corner. Now, here's your host, Ray Lynch.
2: Good evening, and welcome to Miracles in Recovery. My name is Ray Lynch, and I am a recovering addict. Fortunately enough today, I have 28 years clean and sober. My clean date was February 28th, 1989. It seems like a world away, but I was speaking to somebody this morning, somebody that really didn't know much about addiction, and I told them, even with 28 years clean, today is still a good day to get high. That's what addicts do. So what I do is I try to share my experience, strength, and hope over the airwaves in hopes that an addict, a struggling addict, a struggling family member, or somebody can hear the word and maybe lighten their own personal load with with active addiction. Fortunately enough, today we have Dr. Callie Estes. She's a celebrity addiction specialist and founder of TheAddictionCoach.com. The Addictions Academy, Callie Estes is a highly sought-after celebrity addiction therapist, life coach, recovery coach, and wellness guru that blends talk therapy with forward and positive change to assist her clients in unlocking their true potential. Dr. Estes has over 20 years' experience working with drug, alcohol, and food addictions. I could go on with her resume for the whole hour, but we would be selling the audience short, so... Help me welcome Dr. Estes, and welcome to Miracles in Recovery.
3: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
2: So let me, I I only touched briefly on your bio. I have a whole bunch of other stuff in front of me here, and I figured the sooner I got you on the air, Mm -hmm. the more we could connect and the more that we could figure out um, how it is we can help the addict that's listening. So why don't you share a little bit about how you got to where you are today. I mean, I'm looking at all of this knowledge and it seems to me like you have many, many levels of professional education with not only addiction, but with other things as well. So share a little bit about who you are and um, how you got into the field and what, what inspired you.
3: Sure. Okay, so I wanted to be an FBI agent and I was studying psychology in college and um, what had happened was all of the girls would go out that I lived with on a Thursday night and they would always, you know, pick up boys and what have you. And I would always come home alone and I would come home and eat cake at two o'clock in the morning. And uh-huh. one day, one of my roommates found me sitting on the floor crying, stuffing my face full of cake. There's cake on me, cake on the dog, cake on the wall it was a mess. And she says to me, what's wrong with you? And I said, nothing. And she says, I think you're an addict. You're a food addict. And I said, "That's there's no such thing. She goes, well, there's something wrong with you. So I ended up going to the counselor. school counselor. And back then there was no eating disorder for binge eating like that with no purging. So she said, I'm going to send you to the weight loss doctor, to the fat doctor. So I went to the fat doctor and he put me on FenFen and rip fuel and all this other stuff. And I quickly became a diet pill freak and Mm I'm addicted. And I went from 160 pounds to 90 pounds in about 45 days. And I love scary. And I had fun with that for about two years. And I ended up at the cardiologist because I was having panic attacks. And of course he says, you know, what are you taking? And of course, as every good addict does, nothing. And he looks at me and says, You're 90 pounds at five foot two, you have a heart murmur, and you're sitting here like shaking like you're doing crack cocaine. What are you taking? Of course, nothing. And he says, I'm gonna ask you one more time, and then I'm gonna tell you your heart's about to give out. And I looked at him and I went, Uh oh, this is serious. And he says, This is very serious. And I said, Well, a doctor put me on fentanyl and rip you all. And he goes, I need you to come off of it. And I said, okay, you know, no problem, right? I'm not an addict. Yeah, I, I got this. So I took the first day, shall we say, I lasted maybe two hours before I was in the bathroom taking a Fenn ven and rip And it took me a year to come off this stuff. I detoxed. I gained weight. I lost weight. I, I blew my thyroid out. So my thyroid is destroyed. I destroyed my adrenal glands in the process. And it took me forever to get back to balance. And that's when I realized this is the field I belong in. And I started studying addiction. And I started studying, you know, diet pills and food addiction and gambling and learning that it's all related. And it's when you're out of balance and when you're using things to excess and you Mm -hmm. think you need it emotionally and physically that you have this problem. So that's how I started. And then I ended up in a uh, food meeting, an OA meeting. And they have no food there, you know. And then I went to an NA meeting for the pill side, and they had donuts. And I struggled (laughs) with the 12-step model because I said, it doesn't make sense. You know, my primary drug of choice is food. My secondary is diet pills. So Mm -hmm. when I go to the NA meeting, they're having coffee and sugar and cigarettes and donuts. And OA is completely different. So I ended up getting sober on a yoga mat where I had a yoga instructor teach me about balance and body image and centering. So that's sort of my story and then I went on to hmm.
2: help other people. Wow, so that you know I mean it's it's funny because like being a being a recovering heroin addict I can always relate to someone's message even when it's different than mine because I followed the same road, you know what I mean? Like like there was something greater than myself that was pulling me towards destruction and I wouldn't mm-hmm. admit it. You know, and it's funny. I was listening. I was listening to your story, and you said there was cake all over the dog. I'm sure the dog was happy that night. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, the, Kelly, the, hi, the crazy. This is Ellen, I've just joined. Oh, hey, Ellen. Hey, welcome. Welcome in.
3: Thank
2: you very uh, much. S-
4: I have a question to ask, though, and this is a little off topic. But uh, I saw that you got your master's at WCU.
3: Yeah, Westchester University in Pennsylvania.
4: Oh, okay. That's the not the WCU I went to. Then
2: okay, you went to what well, Western Carolina, right?
4: Western Carolina. It's WCU yeah. as well.
2: Yeah, she lives ah, up okay. in the woods. She she's up in the woods in North Carolina. Well, not now, but
1: no, that's uh, what she I was. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so um, the I guess the great thing is is that you know there are so many different levels of. I don't want to say isms, but different little paths of addiction and destruction that kind of brings us all together with the same message. Um, and, And I'm grateful today that there are other people who suffered different types of active addiction than I did because they can give me a message that, one, I can understand. Two, I can't really relate to because that wasn't my path. But three... It brings it all together and lets me know that if I choose to – because I'm that kind of person. You said something about sugar and donuts. I'm that kind of person, and I've said it before. I'll always say it again because I need to keep it well in front of me. If I walk in the store and I want jelly beans, I have to buy the smallest bag because I will eat them all. I should probably walk by them, but today I'm working on just eating the smallest bag. So, you know, it's progression. Well, you know, if that's negative justification,
4: especially with girls, is that they tend to start out with an eating disorder. That seems like the first step in the addiction process. It certainly was with my daughter. You know, that Mm. manifested well before anything to do with pills or anything else.
3: And it's because food is legal, food is social, Mm. and no one questions. You know, if you go into the grocery store and get a happy birthday cake, no one says anything other than, "Oh, whose birthday is it?" You know, and you're thinking, I'm going to eat the whole thing in the, in the car with a fork. You go, oh, it's my, you know, my niece's birthday. No one questions you. Now, if you go to the state store or the alcohol store and you have 10 bottles of vodka, you mm-hmm. get questioned. People say, oh, no, that's true. Alcoholics. At least you
2: get looked at funny, yeah.
3: Right. And, and with a food yeah. addiction, you don't. No one looks at you crazy for four bags of chips and soda and, and cake because they think you're having well, a birthday party. Well, unless
4: part. you happen to be overweight, and then I think the judgment starts. Well, yeah, but that's that's the difference quickly. between I mean, the the yeah. overweight people kind of wear their addiction.
3: Yeah,
4: you know, if you if you watch that um, my six hundred pound life on TV, I just you know, you would have to eat so much.
2: But do do, the do they really? When they, once they get to that level, I, I haven't watched that show, but once they get to that level, do they really need to sustain their calories that great in order to stay at that? that level of like, I mean, I I don't know. I don't, I don't really understand um, that overeating. Um, I I, I do overeat it or I had overeaten at times, but it was just because I ate too quick for my belly to catch up to me. Um, But like 600 pounds, that just, that kind of blows me away. I I, I feel sad for them. And I understand they're in, they're in the throes of addiction in, in some way or another, but do you have to keep that calorie count up, or do you like do they binge on a full cake? Or I, I don't know.
4: Yeah, yeah from what I I've bet- seen, they, they tend to eat a huge amount of calories every day. I mean, more than most people would be able to even eat. <laughs> and it, it's it's um, I, I to me, it's just the it's another manifestation of that compulsion, right. You know, I hear a lot of people when they stop drinking or stop drugging will switch to you know food or gambling or sex or one of the other things that you can do compulsively that's very destructive.
2: Now, Dr. Estes, do you do you um, have a client base um, with the likes of these addictions as well, or is it more so now just? Um, a hodgepodge see, of all different things.
3: I see a lot of different things. Um, the biggest thing that I deal with is when somebody gets sober off of opiates or alcohol, they turn mm-hmm. to sugar. They use that a small bag of jelly beans. One of the things I have my opiate addicts do and my and my alcoholics is to totally come off sugar and white flour. Because they literally trade the opiate addiction for sugar. And mm-hmm. that's the next thing. So. I see a lot of that, and then with women, I see a lot of Xanax alcohol combinations. Um, when hmm. they're doing both of those, and once we come off of those, they end up with an eating disorder because now they, the last thing they can control is what they put in their body. So it is all tied in together.
2: Okay, so for the people that for the people that are out there that are trying to understand what they are going through, how do you? How do you bridge that gap? How do you get that message out there that you know you're you're moving from, like you said with me, with the jelly beans? I was moving from heroin to sugar. Uh, women are moving from alcohol to another substance to eating disorders. How do you? Because I know um, firsthand, I had a cousin who struggled with uh, anorexia, and she mm-hmm. was the most she was the most beautiful girl in the world, and she was destroying herself and. Nobody could help it. Well, I didn't say nobody could help her, but her, her immediate family couldn't help her because, like you said, it was food-based, and it was a, it was just a different struggle than mine was. Mine was physically raised out on the street, he's homeless, and he's stealing from us, whereas my cousin was just eating and purging. So, you know, um, it, it's, it's the same when we understand it, but for somebody on the outside, a parent, or a loved one or something like that. How do you explain and how do you make it all make sense when they come in and ask you for assistance or guidance?
3: Okay, so the first thing I have them do is I ask them, "What do you? what is the one thing you indulge in? Because everybody has addiction to a point. Are mm-hmm. you eating sugar? Are you on Facebook consistently? What is your thing? Do you binge watch Netflix? Do you have a favorite TV show? And then I tell them for the next two weeks, You can't use whatever that thing is, whatever it is, caffeine, sugar, phone, whatever. And they look at me and they say, what? But I'm not the one with the problem. And I always say, but I'm going to teach you something. I want to teach you what it's like to not have something and want it and know it's there. and know you could just simply pick it up and have it, but you can't have it. And in the beginning, they're like, okay, I'll try your stupid game. Fine. So, (laughs) For example, if it's a sugar person, it's the person who says, you know, well, I have a lot of sugar. Okay. Or caffeine. They're instructed to go to the grocery and buy groceries with no caffeine and no sugar. Nothing. And they'll call me from the grocery store and tell me, I can't buy anything. And I'll say, you have fruits, vegetables, meat. That's it. You're done. (laughs) Rice. You're good. Um, And then they panic. Because now it's like, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to, the Mm. first question is, how am I supposed to do this? I say, that's exactly what your son or daughter, husband or wife is saying. How am I supposed to do this? Same exact answer. Good job. Then they get home. And they don't know what to make because they're totally out of the wheelhouse. So then they'll call me and they'll say, well, I don't know what to cook. What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to do this? Uh, I don't know. And I and I say, I don't know. Figure it out. And they say, well, you're not giving me any guidance. And I say, oh, that's how your loved one feels. So I compare it for them. And then day one, they go into withdrawal. They literally go in sugar withdrawal. So by day two, hmm. they have a headache. They're nauseous. They're right. irritable. They're yelling at everybody. By day three, they're yelling at me. They're calling me, screaming at me that how stupid this is, and they're not going to do it. Okay. <laughs> Day four, they cheated. Day four, they've had caffeine or sugar. And they didn't just have a little, they binged on it. This happens every single time. Day five, they call me and confess they had sugar. And I say, Now you have learned the purpose of this exercise. And they say, What are you talking about? And I say, You just went through what your son or daughter goes through on a daily, minute by minute basis, right there. Mm-hmm. In five days, you went through this. Say, Why me? bargaining that hiding it doing it anyway the confession the guilt and remorse you go through the whole gamut and then they finally go they go wow this is what they're going through yeah that's exactly what they're going through and then they have a whole new appreciation for what their son or daughter's going through and they're shocked because they're they're just like wow i had no idea this is what it's like and i say yeah imagine, you know, you can't have sugar, and the first thing you walk into the grocery store is the cake aisle. It's always there. And, yeah,
1: you
4: know, all the, right, cookies the, and
3: the bread, you can't have any of it, but it's right there. You know, and that's what they go
2: through. Yeah,
4: so, and it's really no it's fun. just eat vegetables.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. You know, and the, and the, and the crazy thing is, is that um, when you put it in that in that aspect, you know, if you take someone who is dealing with an active heroin addict, active pill addict, active alcoholic, and you try that exercise on them, you know, a lot of people can gain an understanding of what it is that, like you said, we go through or we went through in order to be able to progress to one day without the substance or one day without the food or one day without what it is that is driving us. And until Mm -hmm. we get to that point, um, I think it all is thrown in, and even still today in the the society that we live in, there's a lot of moral looking down their nose at people who are actively in the throes of addiction. And, And sadly, that keeps a lot of people out there still sick and suffering because the people that have the ability to help them have turned away from them for the wrong reason.
4: I think you're exactly. exactly right you you pretty much yeah. nailed it, turning away yeah, for the
2: well, wrong reason yeah and and that's that's you know that's what happened to me twenty well, probably thirty years ago, but I used that as a tool at that point to fuel my addiction that much greater. It was because nobody loves me, and everybody threw me out and all of that. but I got to a point very, very quick where I needed someone, and I and I couldn't turn to anybody because they turned away from me from the wrong reason, and I made it even that much worse. And and I always jokingly say, you know, when I got to my bottom, and I was, you know, it was very dark there, and I was feeling around, and I found a shovel. The only thing I could do was dig deeper. Um, you know, so ultimately, when we get to that point. We do need our loved ones or people like you to be able to intervene and and get everybody back together again, to be able to follow some kind of common path back to uh, normalcy within the family. I mean, I don't know if every family gets back to normalcy, quote unquote, um, in an addiction env- an addiction environment, but I think people like you can set people in the right way, or the right path to maybe understand what their loved one was going through.
4: Well, I think what happens with the families, too, is that they get angry. You know, I've done this for you, and you're still not doing what you're supposed to do, so everyone tells me, turn my back, I'm just going to do that, and they do it out of anger. Mm -hmm. You know, and I I have been there, so, you know, speaking from experience, you you turn your back because you're angry, and you don't know what else to do, and, you know, the destruction just piles up, or you have... Two parents, and they're on different pages about how to deal with it. So, you know, there's all kinds of complications. And, I, you know, what Ray said is true. If you have somebody like you who is out there who can help everybody.
2: Okay. I'm going to I'm gonna have to cut you off from being told that we need to go to a break. Phone lines are open. If you'd like to speak to Dr. Estes, it's 866 472 5792. That's 866 472 5792. We'll be back in a moment.
4: Your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America
5: Health & Wellness. When a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer, it's probably the most frightening thing that's ever happened to her. Friends and family often don't know what to do for support, not to mention the patient herself. That's where Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio comes in. Join Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin, breast cancer survivors and advocates. They help by providing inspiration, information, and most of all, hope. Tune in every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Tune in every Tuesday for C. diff, spores, and more with hosts Nancy Karala and Dr. Chandrabali Ghosh. Our program is to provide information about C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and more. Nancy is a C. diff survivor, healthcare professional, and the founder and executive director of the C. diff Foundation and Dr. Ghosh is the Chairperson of Research and Development for the C. Foundation. Together, with their guests, we'll explore infection prevention, treatments, environmental safety, and more. Listen every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: Sometimes it just seems that nobody understands. There's one individual who can help. If you're living with somebody who faces challenges such as autism asperger's or other exceptional needs you'll want to tune into solutions and strategies with dr sean living the challenge together we'll uncover a variety of solutions to the challenges faced by individuals their families and teachers listen live every thursday at 8 a.m pacific 11 a.m eastern on voice america health and wellness
4: step into a healthier you voice
1: america health and wellness are listening to Miracles in Recovery to reach the program today please call in to one 472 5792 that's one 472 5792 you may also send an email to ray at miraclesinrecovery.org now back to this week's show
2: welcome back we have Dr. Callie Estes on the line and I just want to say, first and foremost, uh, thank you very much for being with us. And I want to ask you to list all of your social media outlets or anything where anyone can get in touch with you.
3: Sure, I am at theaddictionscoach.com, theaddictionsacademy.com, or callyestis.com. And then on Facebook, I'm Callie Estis, or the Addictions Coach or the Addictions Academy. And at Twitter I'm at The Addictions Co. And on Instagram, it's the Addictions Coach. And on LinkedIn, it's Caliestus.
2: Okay, so can you do me a favor, Doc, and 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 describe the difference between the Addictions Coach and the Addictions Academy. You said one was schooling, correct?
3: Correct. So the Addictions Coach is for clients. It's for coaching therapy. I signature product called Mobile Rehab, where I go around the country and I work with clients who don't want to go to treatment. Who maybe didn't work well in treatment, and I do one-on-one intensive therapy and coaching. And then out of that, people started asking me how I got my client base because I work for the NFL, the NBA. I work with a lot of musicians, actors, actresses, CEOs, and I created the Addictions Academy, which is the schooling side. So it's classes in recovery coaching, family coaching, gambling coaching, sex addiction relationship coaching, food addiction, nutritional coaching and recovery, fitness and recovery, everything addiction-based, but all of the things you could do with a client that you really couldn't get trained in. It would have to be life hmm. experience. And we've been in business almost five years. We've trained 4,000 people all over the world, and we've got 40 classes and uh, 21 teachers at the moment. So we're growing. It's a virtual classroom.
2: Wow. And this is this yeah. is all done virtually, uh, mostly online. I mean, I'm sure you probably yeah. have some organizational stuff where you have like a conference or something where everybody gets together or something like that, but it's all done online?
3: Exactly. Virtual classroom where you can hop in, you can see the instructor and the other students. It's just like being in a classroom.
2: Oh, like WebEx we or something do, like that?
3: Uh, Yeah, yeah, but they, it's even better than that. They can actually see each other and they can oh, interact. Oh, so it's not self-directed
4: study. You're actually doing a
3: class. Exactly, yep. And Ah, then they're they're involved. We do 10 case scenarios in every class where we give them a a client scenario, a true client scenario, and say, what do you do? And they get to be the coach. So they get to have the whole room to themselves if they want to. And then uh, I also travel around the country, and I teach in different locations, Miami, L.A., New York. I'm coming to Nashville and Memphis, and Austin and Dallas coming up next. And of course, LA, 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 because that's you know the mecca.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: But um, we do that now, as well.
2: How can somebody How can somebody find out what the dates are that you will be in a certain city or around where they are if they would like to um, get in touch with you to 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 do some intensive uh, coaching or, or even just you know just to get in touch with you.
3: The easiest way is to call at one 800 1-800-706-0318 extension two, and then we'll be able to direct you the right direction. If you do go to the addictions, which is plural, academy.com, and you click on calendar, you will see where we are, prices, things like that. Uh, But if you don't see something listed, please contact us or fill out that form on the front, and then we'll get in touch with you and let you know where we are and what we're offering.
2: That's 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 incredible. I'm going to have to look into that. I looked into the other addictions coach. I didn't look into the Addictions Academy. Um, uh-huh. you know, and and I see that there's a lot of, you know, recovery coach, life coach, um different styles of doing that. Like I mean, I'm I'm in Port St. Lucie and she's in Stewart. so you know, uh we do have um a couple of other different levels of, of recovery coach type things going on here, but nothing as intense as what you're saying your organization and you do, which, is, which I think is incredible.
4: Yeah. yeah, I do too, because I think there, you know, the, the problem has gotten quite large you know, with substance use disorder in our country, and there are a lot of people in small towns who really don't have any resources at all, other than a 12-step mm-hmm. meeting, and for a lot of people you know particularly if the, if it's their first foray into trying to get get help that's not going to work you know, they right. need somebody with training that that can can really you know i could see how that could make a huge difference in in a smaller place where there the resources just aren't available but the, the the sickness is there you know the people are still sick and they need help
2: so, I so do you just you're, go... you're
4: having a huge amount of uh i bet you're getting a, a big um reaction to this are you not
3: yeah we are it's it's been really good in the beginning it was really tough because everybody said you know oh well you're just sponsors and I said we don't even do 12-step and they mm-hmm. said well, what do you mean how do you get sober without 12-step and I said well coaching and 12-step are, are night and day 12 steps, 12-step you know you want to get a sponsor get a sponsor but coaching is a whole other realm it's like having a life coach it has 11 core competencies and people kind of went oh wow like, this is for real and I said yeah, yeah. and they said well You know, isn't it therapy? And I said, no, therapy goes backwards. You know, you ask someone, you know, how did you feel when you dropped the ice cream cone when you were eight? That's therapy. Coaching, I don't care how you felt when you were eight. I want to know why today you stuck a needle in your arm. That's what I want to know. You know, why are you storing crack cocaine today? What's the problem today? Not 10 years ago. And accountability and moving forward and an action plan and getting out of bed in the morning and getting to find a job. Those are things coaches do. And it's very, very different than anything else. And people say, wow, you know, is it effective? It's, you know, 10 times more effective because everything is action-based and everything is measurable. So if someone says, you know, I want to be sober and I want to get a job, I can measure that. I can measure how long you stayed sober and I can measure if you have a job or not. But therapy, you never really know if it worked. And, you know, if those things will come back up again. It's a very different concept than we've been um, perceived very well from that angle.
2: Yeah. Because I, I I would imagine that, you know, the way that you just explained that therapy, you know, therapy is backwards. It, it is tough to have to keep looking back into yesterday if you want to do what's right today. And in therapy, they kind of want you to exist in that realm of reality there for a little while to maybe figure out, you know, um, the whys and hows, whereas you, like you said, I don't care about the why and how. I just want to know what you want to do today, and I'm here to help you with that information and and get you on get you on your way doing that. And I think that's very very um, necessary in today's environment because we aren't the same addicts as we were 5, 10, 15 years ago. Um, when I got clean, I remember I had to go into a, into a uh, halfway house for six months. And it was, a, it was a real halfway house. It wasn't these halfway houses that they talk about today. And I had to see a therapist for like two hours every other day or something like that. And I remember it was springtime and he opened the window up a little bit. and it was I was up in uh, New England. And he said, wow, I can smell the alcohol in the air. And I couldn't get what he meant by that. I, I absolutely know what he, sa- what he meant today. But okay. I think back then we had limited tools with how we were to recover. And I think giving people an option is the the greatest thing going because there's more ways to stay clean than, like you said, step one, then you go to step two, and then step three. That saved my life, but you are 100% right. And we try to even get people on the show that have the alternative methods, and some of them are very, very intriguing on how they – I don't want to use the word justify, but how they – um, speak of how it is that they got clean and how they can help others do the same thing, and I'm going to jokingly, you know, say about the uh, the ad that used to run on TV, and it said, you know, um, my name is so and so, and I used to be an addict.
3: Oh um, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, you used to be, and 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 now I just rip them off like I am one, um, you know. Yeah. So. You know, I, I think it's great that there are there, there are different ways to be able to speak to the people of today's world, and I think this is one that will definitely reap its benefits. And I'm sure that you see. I mean, you probably don't keep statistics per se, because I know that. You know, a t- statistic is only as good as the individual that carries it. If you give mm-hmm. me all of this knowledge and I choose not to use it, does that mean you are not successful? No, that just means that I chose not to use it. Um, yeah. So I'm sure that your message is great. How how responsive and receptive are you to the individuals that are coming? Uh, for like, say, the Addictions Coach. How successful of a program good is question. that?
3: So, I don't take everybody. This is what I say up front. And it kind of upsets the apple cart, and I'm okay with that. I tell everybody, I'm not for you. I'm a type A female. I'm very aggressive. I'm in your face. I'm going to tell you to sit down and shut up and listen. And I'm not going to feel bad about it. So, I don't work with, generally with women. I don't work with a desperate housewife type who has, the, you know, the poor boy and the nice car and uh, tons of money and she just can't do life. I don't work with that person. Mm-hmm. I get the hard guys. I get the narcissist, self-absorbed CEO. I get the musician who has people around him that say yes. Right. Um, I'll never forget. I had a touring group of rock guys, famous rock band. I get on the bus. I'm five foot one. I'm 125 pounds. I walk on and they laughed at me. And I turned around and I said, sit the F down and be quiet or you're all going to be fired. And they thought I was kidding. I said, I'm not fooling around. And they just stopped and looked at me. And I said, this is how things are going to go. This is what's going to happen. And you're all going to hand over your works. And they just thought it was crazy. And I got in there and I did what no one else could do because I have a very different approach. So when Mm -hmm. I listen to someone's story and they call and say, could you, you know, work with my son, my daughter, my husband, my wife, you know, whatever. I tell them up front, tell me about the individual. Tell me what kind of person they are. You know, do they have a lot of trauma? Because if they have a lot of trauma... I might refer them out. I do. I love my addicts. I always say this. I love my addicts. I don't love my mental health addicts. So if there's tons and tons of mental health, PTSD, and trauma, I'll refer that out. I want Mm -hmm. the behavioral problems. I want the kids who mom and dad never said no to. I want the spoon-fed kids. That's what I do real well with. Because I kind of shake them up a little bit and totally upset the apple cart. And then I have them so confused, they don't know what's happening, that they have no other options but to get sober. So that's my target market, and that's not for everybody. Those, that group of people is tough to work with. I've had stuff thrown at my head. I've had, <laughs> you know, F you, F this, you know, whatever. And I just you need know, it doesn't bother me. And I tell them all, you know, your sobriety is not my, uh, a direct result of me. It's a direct result of you. So whether you get true. high or not, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to go home and have dinner. Your choice.
2: Yeah, no, that's true. And that's-, that's true.
3: And that's new to them because they're used to people saying, you know, please stay sober and why don't your family love you? I don't give them any of that. I give them this tough love concept of do what you want to do, but if you don't want to be sober, you're wasting my time. And I flip right. it. And they're not used to that. They say, wait a minute, what? I thought you worked for me. Oh, no, I don't work for you. I work with you. And that's new to that group of people. But that's not for everybody. So no, that, that's for me, true. I have a... I'm super successful because I turn people away. I know I can't help, and I refer them out instantly.
2: Okay, we we had we had somebody last week who was on, and you know him, Dr. Rob Kelly, and he also yeah. he also said the same thing that not every addict who needs recovery is set up for the program that he runs. And, and I totally understand that. Like, why am I going to take your money and tell you what you want to hear if you're not ready, if you're not ready to do it? You know, his his aspect was was a little bit different because he said that he would speak to the people with money. I just wanted to throw fix my son or fix my daughter. He would say, this isn't the place for you because. One they're not ready, and two, I just don't want to take your money. There are many, many places out there that will just gladly take your money and, no, not, I, and not them,
4: I think that's yeah. probably why traditional treatment is failing so badly right now because right. it's not really yeah. treatment
2: well you know and i don't want well, i don't want to you know bang traditional treatment, but traditional treatment um hires the people that they have in. Rehab. And the
4: treatment program, is yeah, they're there as the a tech. I
2: know. You know, I, I I said that I was in a halfway house, and the director of the halfway house. We're, we're coming up on a break, but when I just real quick, um, we had a meeting every Saturday morning in the basement, and he ran the meeting. He was the director of the sober house, and um, you know, I was still a wise guy, twenty-eight year old then at the time, and and um, you know, I think I was still doing what I was supposed to do or I was told to do. I had nowhere else to go. So they, they fed me and gave me a nice warm pillow. So I stayed there. And the gentleman had said that he had 17 years clean. or I had said 17 years sober. And I said to him, well, what meetings do you go to? Because we never see you there. And he said, um, I get my recovery here. And I said, so what you're saying is the most recovery you have is six months. And that sadly, that sadly is true what you see in some of these environments because they have people with multiple years, but they have that 30 to 45 day stamp that they were taught and they're carrying that on. They're carrying that message, that limited message to the individuals that are coming into treatment today. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I think that I think that I, I, I don't want to I, like I said I don't want to bash traditional uh, treatment because it does work for people who are ready and who are willing, um, but I think maybe that's why we have a lot of repetitious, um, people jumping in and out of the door and floundering for a long time, and and sadly enough, there are people that are dying out there because we are not giving them. The proper message, if it was a unified message, if it was your message, if it was Rob's message, if it was a unified message, I think we would be able to clarify what it is to recover. Well, that's, think the
3: thing. That, that's an important thing,
2: the clarification.
4: Every,
3: Nobody knows. Yeah, every, that and everybody's path is different. And what mm-hmm. we're seeing now is this younger generation, these millennials, aren't taking to AA and NA at all because No, the they're not. And these millennials never had rules. They had no rules growing up. That's what I see the 18 to 25 sector is huge. They mm-hmm. are just narcissistic, self-absorbed, think the world owes them, you know? Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's what we're dealing with.
2: Yeah, no, exactly. And we're coming up on a break, so I just want to uh, hold it there. We'll pick it up on the other side. Phone lines are open. Dial 866 472 5792. That's eight six six four seven two five seven nine two. 472 5792. Let your voice be heard. Make a difference. We are in the studio with Dr. Callie Estes. I was saying Estes. I was saying it wrong, I guess, until you said your name and corrected me subliminally. <laughs> um, we will be back after the break.
4: opinions options answers you're listening to voice
0: america health and wellness it's time to experience radical well-being learn to nourish your heart body and mind manifest your power in the present and learn to live your life's infinite potential it's time to experience revolutionary wellness talk radio with host Rochelle mclaughlin Each week, you'll learn about essential skills and knowledge to help you discover and create your own experience of health and well-being and learn to be empowered to take bold and loving action toward manifesting the life you long for. Tune in every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific and 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America's Health and Wellness Channel. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live
5: your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reish. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships
2: Welcome back. If you or your organization would like to be a featured guest on the show, please send an email to ray at miraclesandrecovery.org. We will send you an information packet on how to schedule a time for you to be on the show, to focus the full hour on what you can bring to the recovery community, or if you just want to do a segment, or if you would like to call in and share. We do we do save time for um, shout-outs, like if... Say Saturday Saturday Night Live group of Narcotics Anonymous is spending a their 30 year anniversary. If you send a message to Ray at Miracles and Recovery, we will give a shout out. And I just want to touch before we get into the last bit of this. Um, we are heard internationally. It's crazy. Like last week, not last week, two weeks ago, we were heard by we were heard in 27 different countries. By we had. Maybe 2,000 people actively listening live, and then maybe a couple of thousand listening to it on demand. So if you're out there and you're listening and you want to call in, the number is 866-472-5792. Share your message. Let your, let your voice be heard. We have uh, Dr. Callie Estes in the studio with us. She is a celebrity addiction specialist and founder of theaddictionscoach.com. And theaddictionsacademy.com. dot and uh, I'm sure that you were an independent practitioner before you got into uh, the Addictions Academy. How did you make that that transition?
3: Well, it came because I had an overwhelming response of people asking me how I was doing, what I was doing, and you know how was I getting high profile clients? How was I traveling all around the country? And I said, well, it's because I'm coaching. You know, I'm not doing therapy. With therapy, you're stuck with, you know, four walls, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't a whole lot on the market back then for coaching. And what was out there, I just didn't think was quality. I thought it was subpar. So I started creating these classes, and I would start teaching them. And I started off with intervention and recovery coaching, and that was it. And people loved it. And then those people said, okay, now what? Now we want to learn family, and we want to learn anger management. So I started speaking out teachers, people, in the top of their field. And I hired, um, for example, the guy that created the movie Anger Management. He teaches Mm -hmm. the Anger Management class. He's all over L.A. And for family coaching, Katie Donovan Brennan, and she's at, you know, a, a mom's nightmare, a mother's journey, something like that. She's done tons of work in the family side. So everybody that teaches the discipline knows it inside and out, has lived it, and understands it. So I teach the food addiction. I have uh, Boris who teaches the fitness side. He used to be Arnold Schwarzenegger's bodyguard. And he's got a ton of celebrities in addiction and fitness. So it's this group of people that know their discipline inside and out that can put a spin on traditional coaching or traditional recovery. And we add these dynamics to it so people can say, well, I want to have my niche in this field or I want to have my niche in this sector. And then they can follow that track and then offer that to their clients.
2: Wow! So, so tell like you us have about a lot of success. Yes.
3: Yeah, we've trained four thousand people in right around like four and a half years.
2: That, that's quite a bit. So, tell us about the workbook that you created with this.
3: I created a number one best selling workbook for coaches to use with their clients. It's got forty five exercises in it, and it's designed for as you're working with your client, you can photocopy it or get them the book and hand them the exercise. So things like, who am I? Because a lot of addicts in early recovery don't know who they are. They just know what they mm-hmm. do. They define themselves as a mother or a father or a student. So it's who am I? Bucket list. What do you want to do before you die? Like, what do you, what do you enjoy? Figuring out your purpose and passion is in there. An action plan. A food mood journal to see how what you eat affects your mood. For example, if you have jelly beans and, you know, you have the sugar high, you feel great, then you feel cranky. And it shows you why and shows you how. And the coaches are taught how to use these exercises in the real real coaching time so that they can give them to the client, come back, have the client do the homework, go over the exercise and see how it fits into what they're trying to accomplish and what their stopping blocks are.
2: So that so that workbook is is only available during training like through the Addictions Academy, or can somebody get it online somewhere if they wanted to just look at it?
3: Yep. If they go to our website, they can purchase it right away and download it in a PDF, or they can oh, okay. send an email in and we'll send them a hard copy.
2: Oh, nice, nice. So it's available to anyone.
3: Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly.
2: Okay, so what, oh, you, what, really projects, what projects are you working on now?
3: I have a personal book coming out um, with me and my husband about our life, and then I also have uh, traveling around the country teaching the different uh, courses all over the country. We've got Memphis and Nashville, uh, Austin, Dallas, and L.A. coming up, and then possibly San Francisco. And we're going to be teaching you know, recovery coaching and intervention all over the country. And then I just got done teaching first responders intervention. I had a room of about 250 police officers in New Jersey teaching them, you know, instead of arresting somebody, what do I do? How do I handle it? Where to put someone in treatment? You know, what is addiction? All that kind of stuff. So um, I'm right so
4: what their response them. was. Because it seems it's to me like their first response is always lock them up.
3: No, no, it's very interesting. I had police officers, EMT, and firefighters. And the firefighters were very, very responsive to treatment. The EMTs were split because they've seen so many people be Narcan and go right back out to using, and they're there mm-hmm. the next day Narcaning the yeah, same person. Exactly. So they were fed up. Then the police officers were divided. You had your old school people who really just wanted to help. And then you had your egotistical driven, um, your typical shady type officer. So mm-hmm. they actually distanced themselves from me. And I could see in the room, they would sit in the back. They would laugh and giggle, carry on. So me being me, I turned the whole room around. So instead of teaching from the front, I taught from the back. So they were in the front seat. <laughs> oh yeah, You
2: know, just to... They just to share it. a little of, just to share a little of my story i'm i'm a uh, retired firefighter from up north and i can totally get when you say that firefighters were very responsive we're right down there kneeling on the ground with the individual that's that's overdosing and and you know the others, I mean, the EMTs are down there as well, but the police are kind of looking over our shoulders, saying, "You know, don't get any of that stuff on me." Um, but I did see recently that the IAF, which is the IAFF, which is the um, International Firefighters Association, opened up mm-hmm. their own treatment facility just for firefighters, so firefighters from yep. around the nation can go and seek recovery uh, within the walls of that. Uh, facility, which I think is awesome because I mean, you know, likeness of kind sometime, sometimes makes it comfortable enough to be able to open up. I mean, if I was in a room with with a gentleman and I was looking for somebody who was in a fire, I can relate to that gentleman a lot easier than I can relate to someone who is a CEO who who runs a you know, an aerospace organization or something like that. So I think it's great that the, the uh, firefighters union got together, the national union got together and, and have a place for firefighters to recover or seek recovery.
4: Well, one of the things that I heard about the firefighters, especially the ones in the cities that are truly having you know, struggling, such as West Palm Beach, is that they're finding a lot of them have PTSD just from dealing with this constantly not even day, day in and day out, but hour after hour after hour responding to overdose. I mean, there was a hospital in West Palm Beach that by like 10 or 11 o'clock on Saturday had had 20 overdoses already in, in the ER. So just imagine what these people are going through and what they're looking at and seeing every mm-hmm. single day, the trauma that they're experiencing. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I, can't, I can't even begin to imagine, and I can see how you would either get really cynical or you would get really
2: depressed. Oh yeah, yeah, and and you know, um, I think that, um, I mean, and, and and it happens like they say, Cleveland, where, where all of a sudden there's like car fentanyl or fentanyl there, and and you know, people drop like flies until they can get it off the street. How do you, how do the even just the townspeople deal with it? That the community deal with it? The community is walking around in some form of PTSD as well. I think we all are shattered with what. Drugs have done to our society, especially yes. at the community level.
4: I would agree with that, and I think the community eventually has to face it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know that I, you know, I know where I live, they're not, and where you live, they're not. <laughs> but you know, let's let's bring it out of the shadows and and say we've got a lot of sick people here, rather than we've got a lot of criminals.
2: Right. I guess what we need to do. I guess what we need to do is have Dr. Estez just turn everybody around and start from the back of the room Yeah, again. I it's, love uh, that
4: idea. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> probably one of the, my kids are a little older than that, but both of them have problems, but I, I'm probably one of the, the moms that didn't do a whole lot of discipline, uh, partly because I was working all the time. You know, so right. okay, somebody so else raised have... them, and I think that's part of the problem.
2: We have about four minutes to close. So what I want to do is maybe go over all of your social media outlets again and how people can get in touch with you and um, where you're heading. I know you're in an RV somewhere. Where you're heading yep. and what's up in the very near future?
3: Sure. So to get a hold of me, theaddictionscoach.com or theaddictionsacademy.com, both plural. You can reach me on Twitter at theaddictionscoach.com. Caliestus on Facebook, Callie Estes on LinkedIn, or 1-800-706-0318, extension 2. And I am headed out next uh, to L.A. I'm going to be in L.A. and Orange County, and then headed up to San Fran, and then doubling back to Austin, Dallas, Colorado, and then all the way back here. I do have an event coming up called Navigating the Addiction, and it is in uh, Longmont, Colorado, the 6th of May. It's a free event open to the public. For resources for families, so I'll actually be speaking there with a few other people, including Randy Grimes from the Bucks uh, football team. Oh, nice! So that's uh-huh. what's going on.
2: Yep. Nice. So um, you sound like a very busy lady. Oh yeah. <laughs> how is it? How is it traveling around? Like, do you see? Like, it must be. It must be like pocketed. Um. You know, like, say, South Florida's pills, and then Dallas is Soma, and San Francisco is probably marijuana with all what they have going on there. But you know what I mean? Like, are there different pockets of chemically-based addiction, or is it pretty much all the same?
3: No, it's actually very interesting. I was just out in Louisville, Kentucky, and it's all heroin, all heroin and fentanyl. You couldn't mm-hmm. get cocaine or speed if you tried. Like, it's just, it's just devastating.
2: It's just the um, way it is, right? Miami. Yeah.
3: Yeah. In Miami, the drug of choice is cocaine and women. escorts. Mm-hmm. That's that's the thing. You know, in Miami, you're not going to get decent heroin. You're going to get it laced with fentanyl, so nobody's touching it. But you go up to Broward County, and, and it's heroin. So it's, yeah. it's almost county by county. And, wow. like, it's a cultural lifestyle. So, um, just depends on where you go. What you know, what the thing is right now in DC, believe it or not, it's LSD and PCP. Geez, and I didn't really? realize that till I got there. Yeah, I thought, oh, you know, L- DC with all the workers, probably cocaine, and it wasn't mm. PCP and LSD. And I was like, wow, <laughs> what's going on here?
2: Welcome you back know? to the seventies.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so it's,
3: it's different. It really is different everywhere. Yeah, and I guess Did I you guess see that- pockets of like methamphetamine. Yeah, that's a lot like um, rural, Ohio, Virginia, uh, parts of Pennsylvania, Indiana, where there's not much to do and they're making their own stuff. You see a lot of that. Hawaii. When I was in Hawaii, methamphetamine was huge.
4: Wow. That one just sounds like such a terrible, I mean, the psychosis that it causes is just scary. Hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah, well... We have we have about a minute left, and I just want to take this time to thank you for coming on the show and sharing a little bit of your experience, strength, and hope, and your wisdom. And also, uh, what what I'm going to do is once this show posts on demand, I'm going to actually add how you can get in touch with Dr. Estes as well, so that that way it's in writing. I know not everybody may have a pen that has the ability to listen to the show. So if you go to my Facebook page, which is uh, Miracles in Recovery, uh, the show will be posted there. It'll be it'll be posted on Dr. Estes's too. Um, but I'll make sure that I put all the links and everything within my uh, page there to be able to get in touch with her, to be able to look at theaddictionsacademy.com, the theaddictionsacademy.com theaddictionscoach.com and I think that your message is fantastic and I totally applaud anyone who has the ability to say no to somebody who is seeking help if they're not looking in the right direction to do it. Mm-hmm. So, so thank you very much and with that we have 30 seconds left. So, I just want to end on a, on a thank you. I'm, I'm humbled by what I heard you say, and I'm grateful that you came on and shared your wisdom with us.
3: Well, thank you. And, thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
2: Okay, we'll make sure that. Around
4: the country, you're doing great work.
2: And we'll make sure right, well, that you come you. on again. We'll make sure you come right, on again. I
1: appreciate
2: again. it. Okay, thank you very Thanks much, guys. Doc. And have a very good night. You've been listening you to too. Miracles in Recovery, and remember,